Woo-hoo. Welcome to the Some Work All Play podcast. We are so happy to be with you today. And honestly, kind of mind boggled. It's Tuesday already. I feel like these these podcasts serve as a guidepost for time passing yeah. by. And I feel like we lived four weeks since the last podcast. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> mind boggled. I love it. Yeah, coaching is such an interesting thing because you're always zoomed out looking at each day as like a line in a spreadsheet, which is a really weird way to look at time when you think about it. It's a great perspective though, because you see people go through absolutely everything. And it gives you this like kind of equanimity, a peace, a zen, I think of, of almost all coaches that see it that way. But it's also a little bit strange when thinking about our own lives. It's really strange. Well, it's funny because I used to, I do a lot of my coaching on weekends, like planning yeah. for the next couple of weeks. And so Saturday and Sunday used to be that guidepost for me of like, what amount of time has passed since I've done the last <laughs> coaching job? But it's really funny too. I think we both give pretty epic birthday workouts yeah. when athletes tell us it's their birthdays. And that also, I think like the goal with those birthday workouts is to remind athletes, it's like to give them like a guidepost on the year, just in kind of a fun way. Yeah. I think when you're zoomed out, time can pass really fast like but time only passes fast in retrospect and that's what birthday workouts are all about for us so my favorite example is something like um like if someone's turning 45 they'll do a 45 minute tempo followed by 45 by one minute or something oh, that's epic yeah wild like that in the context okay of i've never given a birthday workout quite like that <laughs> well, i'm a little kinder on birthday workouts i'm like i still want you to be able to go out for like you know a fun dinner and have a beer and celebrate not be like on the side of the road I love it. megan grounds her philosophy in life in love i ground my philosophy in, in 45 death. by one minutes <laughs> <laughs> destruction we're all dying slowly um but the idea being and i always say to the athlete i want you to think while you're doing this about how slow time actually passes that's right? amazing like if every 45 minutes was like these 45 minutes, you would live forever. You would literally become immortal. Time would never actually pass. Well, it's really funny. After hearing that, I don't know if athletes are going to give us a warning about their birthdays <laughs> yeah, in their yeah. log ahead of time. Well, it's funny because we've been talking a lot about the vaccine um, and just training guidelines yeah. surrounding the vaccine and why the vaccine is awesome and you should get it. But uh, so athletes have been writing in their log more often when they're yeah. going to get the vaccine so I can plan training. But I don't know about birthdays. <laughs> now that they hear this, they may not write that in their log. It depends which, the, what, at, which athlete it is. Like with vaccines, now that they know that we give rest after every vaccine shot. Some people won't tell us about it. Some people will. And I feel like it's like the inverse of the birthday workouts. So that's like a really good way to look at it. I love birthdays. I know yeah. birthdays are a big deal. Like I remember in first grade, I memorized all the birthdays of the classmates in my class. Yeah. And if that wasn't a sign that I was weird early on, I don't know what else was. I feel like that probably should have that's been a, real weird. a trip to the guidance counselor. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Some sort of learning issue was probably present there. But I think one reason, so we had this epic adventure on Saturday. And I think that's one reason that time has stretched. Yeah. Yeah. so slow between the recording of yeah. these two podcasts. Feeling like you're almost going to die is always a good way to make time really come to sharp relief. Well, it's funny because we, it's been beautiful here in yeah. Boulder, but up high, there's still a lot of snow. And we got into doing this run that was pretty much like half snow running, half snow plotting. Yeah. Actually, I think like, you know, when you post hole in snow, which is like where you sink down, yeah. it was somewhere between our yeah. weights. So like I wouldn't post hole, but you would. Yeah. The carrying capacity of the snow was probably about 140 pounds because I was going so deep into the snow. And I just was like dancing right yeah. on top of it. It was Megan fantastic. Was like a deer just like galloping across and I was coughing one step at a time. But anyway, so somewhere in this run, I think it was like two hours in, we yeah. got hella lost. Like super, <laughs> super hella lost. Hella lost. That's a Is shout that out to a, our Bay Area. Totally roots. a shout out to our Bay Area roots. But uh, yeah, and so I just all of a sudden started pulling out dance moves because yeah. I was like, this is the only way that we were going to salvage the situation. I've never seen anything like it. So, you know, getting a little bit fresh, I had just twisted my ankle a little bit. I had forgotten to do my sweet ankle taping routine that I do before trails. So I was a little bit grumpy. Okay. 
you are very meditative usually on yeah. runs, except when you sprain your ankles. And then it's like, F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. What the heck is wrong in the world, <laughs> Megan? You suck. And it's like, it's actually really relieving to me because it's like, sometimes I think like, you're just like so even keeled. that yeah. like, David, can't you just freak out from time to time? And then you sprain your ankle and it happens. I got really in touch with death and destruction. I become like, so like a Satan worshiper for like five seconds. Um, but yeah, so we're lost. We're on this big snowbank. I'm a little bit frustrated. Um, and we're like, just, which way do we grow? And all of a sudden I look up, Megan puts out her phone, which she was carrying, turns up, TIs, bring them out. Bring them out, no, bring them out. And all of a sudden just starts grooving. And I thought it was amazing because it, it, she invented the get lost dance, which is when you're lost, and I think this can apply to running her life, before you make any decisions or judge where you're at, put on bring them out by TI and do a, do a dance of some I'm type. I'm pretty sure. So first of all, the situation got a lot more fun after yeah. that. Like it turned into like kind of a shitty situation into a much more fun situation. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure too, it also stimulated some root funding neurons. I was convinced because after that, we gained a lot of clarity on where yeah. we were going. Yeah, maybe that's the secret is TI just helps us find our way. My glutes got activated. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. great. But I think the funny thing too is, is we talked about your fanny pack on yeah. the last podcast. Honestly, when you're lost in the woods, that fanny pack is a game changer. I was like, we are going to survive out yeah. here because we have a fanny pack. We could have lived forever. I had a like probably six or seven gels. Most of which I consumed. But <laughs> I had our keys. I think I had an entire pot roast, the Ark of the Covenant. I was just carrying everything in my fanny pack. I made a mistake though. I was like, David, you look super sexy in this fanny <laughs> pack. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to wear this fanny pack just like around the house now. He's going to go grocery shopping in this fanny pack. I yeah. should not. Those were the wrong words to tell David. Oh, it actually makes me feel, it, they're a little bit like a belly belt that like a pregnant woman would wear. That's kind of what my fanny pack act as, acts as. I think I might just start wearing it all the time. One, a great place to put snacks. Two, actually kind of holds everything in. I'm kind of a fan. You're saying snacks? I'm talking a full on pot roast. Going <laughs> yeah. back to that pot roast comment. But I think the other reason too, I think the other reason it's felt like so long is, is that we both have like pretty chaotic work le yeah. breaks leading up to this podcast. Like it's been nuts to be I honest think, yeah. with you. I, our, I feel like for you, you're juggling so many balls at every one time. I don't even know how many are up there. I just hope you do. Like that's my-, my Oh, I have somewhere. no idea how many balls are up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah we talked about- They're just like, I actually don't even know. It's like, you know, when you're juggling and like a ball, like you, you mess up and a ball yeah. lands on the ground. I don't know if I even recognize when a ball is <laughs> landing on the ground right now. It just happens. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, we mentioned Addie's uh, tickets that she got the other week. I was like, Megan, do you ever pay that that ticket, that court summit? Did we ever go to court? Like, what happened there? It's like, what? What? What are you talking about? Like, I don't know. It's sitting. It's sitting <laughs> on, under the like massive pile of mail that we have right now. I have no clue. But one thing I feel like I've learned in this process is I used to send like kind of novel, like short yeah. story length, and emails. you used to get stressed about. I like send like the longest emails, emails ever. And recently, I just came to the conclusion. I have this research advisor who it's actually awesome. He just sends like two sentences back, yeah. but he sends it back immediately. So I get like this immediate email answer, and I'm like, I'm gonna start channeling some of those vibes. I don't need to send these short story emails anymore. I like it. I kind of think of it like the podcast. Like if I talk to for 10 minutes, you'd be like, I just glazed over. Like you might not even pay attention. I mean, our listeners would all be tuned out. And like, and you know, the back and forth of the online communication is something I think can sometimes be lost. Like we treat it like these longhand letters, like it's the 1800s. And we're then it feels back. so overwhelming. Yeah. I'm sitting there at an email and I'm being like, how do I say, I hope you had a good weekend without being redundant from the other 10 yeah. emails I've sent to the same person? You know? Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I think about that all the time. It actually reminds me of an athlete on the team who in his log will occasionally write a long update with a lot of info I actually need. And at the end, he'll end, instead of warm regards, he'll say, 
hottest regards. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, That's that amazing. To, the new sign off needs to be hot regards. I think the other thing I thought about too is email or is a meeting length. Yeah. So I recently, I had a meeting with a VC, a top VC. It unfortunately was not about funding. It would have been great if this were a meeting <laughs> about funding. Why can't you get the podcast funded? I know, right? It was about research. But uh, he could only meet with me for 15 minutes because yeah. apparently he schedules 15 minute meetings. And I was pumped about this concept. Yeah. I'm like, who schedules 15 minute meetings? This is amazing. And it turns out, so I, pre I feel like I'm kind of in like the 99th percentile of talking fast. Yeah. I actually slow it down for this podcast. The listeners are not overwhelmed, <laughs> but he was in like the hundredth percentile yeah. of talking fast. It was like, bing, 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 bing. like the conversation that we were having between us. It was amazing. But I was like, why don't I schedule more of my meetings in 15 minute increments? This is awesome. I feel like there's a sweet spot and time for all these things. It's kind of like the dinners that, you know, we would sometimes have to do with like in Europe, they're like five hours. It's like too, way too excessive for a dinner. Um, or even like, like Missy Elliott talking about the one minute man. And then on the other end, there's like Sting who practiced tantric sex and it would be like eight hours. I feel like both are a little bit too extreme. It's, let's find a middle ground here. Yeah, this, let's avoid chafing. Let's find this 15 minute meeting interval length. Well, it's funny though. I did do the math though. And I was like, yeah. I wonder, so if you had an eight hour work day and you're doing 15 minute meetings, you could do 32 meetings. And I was <laughs> like, that is way too much. You're probably talking about complex topics and all of these. It actually reminds me of primary care doctors yeah. who have to see like 40 patients in a day and patients come in with like coronary bypass and diabetes and they're sick and they have a complex social situation and yeah. you have to talk to that patient in 15 minutes. And so I feel like as I'm thinking about these 15 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I also need to block off creative time in my day. So I don't have 32 15 minute meetings. I just have this like afternoon block so where I can actually like get in set creative and like focus work. Time. Are you going to schedule like short meetings or are you going to keep longer meetings and cut them short? Like what is your plan there? Like, I'm doing, I'm doing both. Okay. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to go with like an intermediary approach and I'll keep you posted on how it's it goes. Kind of, it's kind of, I'm for sure structuring in because it's like, I find if I don't have that creative time during the day, like all of a sudden I'm trying to do like yeah. creative stuff at like nine o'clock at night. And it's like my brain, all it wants to do is, is like drink beer and sleep. <laughs> it's like, we should have the Oscars music, you know, that plays off the people that are <gasps> presenting so too long. smart. Yeah, yeah. It actually reminds me of an old Chappelle show skit where, uh, you know, they were, they were having sex in this skit and she, he's like, even close. She's like, not even close. And then she starts playing the play it off music. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so perhaps that's what we should do for meetings. Granted though, I feel like if that were me, I would just play, bring him out, bring him out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get to the episode number, which is going to be episode 44, Coach John Mosley. Coach John Mosley is awesome. So he is the coach of the East LA um, Juco basketball team. They were highlighted on Last Chance U. Yeah. And actually during the, the COVID season, so their season got cut short. But just a fantastic Last Chance U. We've talked about it a couple times now on this podcast. Fantastic documentary. This is a, an official recommendation to watch Last Chance U. I think it's a great look, not just at coaching, but at like relationships and what we can do for others in the context of a really complex life where you don't know how things are going to turn out. I think one problem with like even in this podcast is when we're telling stories, we're telling them from after the fact. We don't see all the tendrils that led to that final point. And we like to tell the funny points and the positive points and yeah. like the awesome points. And we really try to highlight and bring in like all the nuances there. But it's so hard, like in a 30 minute podcast, how are you going to highlight every single nuance? And, you know, often those stories don't get told because no one hears about the Like those people are just, you know, left to wander. This, the reason it's called Last Chance U is that uh, junior college basketball often involves people that have had some rough life situations to get to that point. Like they're not playing at division one basketball. They're playing at this junior college level, which has some elite athletes that are amazing. And they get a lot of bounce backs from like, yeah. you know, these athletes that go on to division one schools and get in trouble, get arrested, and then have to bounce back to, to, you know, these Juco teams. And it truly is like this last chance. They're getting this opportunity again to like be out in the field, be out in the court. So what's so special about John Mosley is that he grounds everything he does in love. He screams his head off and he is very, very intense, much more intense than us. But you can Actually, just- Actually, there were a few times watching last chance yeah. where I had to get up and 
And I was like, I can't, I mean, he goes on some, like, he's pretty hard on his players. Like, oh, he goes yeah. on some long tirades. And I think for me, it's not like, that is not like my baseline personality, but for a lot of these players, that is what they need in this moment. And I think like, you know, he combines that, he combines that like toughness on yeah. players with this like amazing sense of belief and love all in one. And, and he coaches it's, it's everyone cool. differently, yes, which sure, I think yeah. is another good lesson here is that not everyone will respond to that. And he, he's there with both types of things. Actually, he has this amazing quote. And I love this, but I think sometimes like in these situations when you're having these like players bounce back and they're going through these really hard things, like love is hard in yeah. that moment. And what he says is they need love the most when they deserve it the least. And I think that's just like, I mean, it's so hard. Like our human nature, I feel like is not to give love in those moments. And I love that that's like the first thing that he pulls out of his toolbox. Yeah. In addition to like this toughness, this belief, like everything that he layers it, in with it. It reminds me of a quote, actually. Um, I think I heard it from Pete Holmes was interviewing someone back in the day. And it was, we spend so much time not giving people what they truly want what happens if we just give it to them? You know, and for, for John Mosley, I think that's love a lot of times. It's faith, it's belief, um, but it can be a lot of other things. It's like, give it to people, tell them they're amazing, tell them they're all these things. Like, that's where it's at. And I think he's giving it to them from a very interesting pr perspective. So I think like he's helping kids see the things that are already within them. Like yeah. he's not just giving them love and being like, here, this is what I give to you. Yeah. He's like, no, you have this talent, you have this love, you have this belief within you already. Let's help pull this I out. love you for you, for all the very specific things. And those things are you. already inside of you. Yeah. I think like, you know, I think a lot of these times these kids are coming from education systems where like maybe they've been labeled early on as yeah. kids who are like not going to achieve or kids that have struggled. And it's like that label then follows them for years and years and years. And it takes someone like John Mosley, who truly believes, who truly unlocks that potential to help undo that label. Yeah. I mean, um, what I often say to athletes is you already have everything you need inside of you. Um, and actually, the athlete responded to that once. That's what she said. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been a lot more hesitant. I only usually say it to male athletes because I don't want to be weird. But um, John Mosley says it in, in this way. There's some diamonds in those kids, man. With some of them, we got to chip away at that to, to try to bring it up. Um, that kid that's rolling his eyes, that kid that's pounding, there's something that keeps them from responding to adversity. And we just write them off without figuring out what's going on. I and, love that. And he figures out what's going on. But I think also it takes someone, like it takes truly doing the work for yeah. a lot of these kids to be able to get, I mean, this is like a lot of these kids have experienced like these issues or these struggles or like these labels for, for decades, for best, years. And it takes like, it takes time to I mean, it had the best example. And I think it's actually a great exercise to play while you're watching this show is what would you do about Joe Hampton? So Joe Hampton was this player who was a superstar at Oak Hill, this um, incredible uh, prep school. Uh, he went to Penn State as a four or five star recruit, you know, destined for the NBA or at least professional basketball. Um, while he was there, he tore his ACL. Twice. Uh, twice. Yeah, twice. He tore once in high school, once in college. Um, found himself in Los Angeles for other things. He was in jail. He had been smoking weed for a year, he said. Um, and John Mosley saw him and said, look, I am not going to abandon you. I am going to be here. And throughout this series, um, Joe Hampton does things that while we were watching, we were Oh my like, gosh. I was like, I would not allow him. On. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he has, he has a negative attitude, especially in the beginning of the season. When, that and it's like, all about adversity. And right? that risk becoming a cancer to the team. Like you worry that negative attitude could spread to the team. I mean, things like, and John, John views beyond that. And he's like, you know, like I'm giving Joe Hampton yeah. this chance. And I told him I was never, I was never going to abandon him. And so, I mean, things like Joe would like freak out, go off the court, tell everyone they sucked in the middle of a just innocuous practice and it would infect the team for days. And I mean, we were watching like, why would you even deal with this? Like he, he doesn't care. And the best part, spoiler alert, throughout this story, Joe Hampton, this backup basket, backup on the team, 
gets plays better and better and better, eventually ends up getting a Division One scholarship. Then this come this year we Googled him and he rocked it at Long Beach State. So, Actually, I think the really fun game that we play while watching Last Chance U is we Google the players. Yeah. And there's a Last Chance U football edition and, um, that was back, I think it was in 2016. And so yeah. there's a lot more time that you can follow these players. And I think what's really interesting is, is like 20% of these players go on to be incredible inspirations. Like yeah. they do incredible things. 30% go on to do like, you know, go to Division One schools, like maybe have a shot at the NFL, NBA, or like whatever it may be. And then 50% like fall back into old habits. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about John Mosley is, is that for every player that he believes in, he also gets burned, it seems yeah. like by another player. And I think like, I find that so fascinating as a coach that like, if you put yourself out here, out, out there, like with belief, with love, with support, like you probably are going to get burned in this process. And that's not the point. The point and, is, is that like, you know, you will have people that come along and respond to that. And sometimes it just takes like persistence over time. And I think that applies to everyone, like whether you're a coach or a leader or just a friend is that you're going to get burned if you put yourself out there. If you We've get, gotten burned so many yeah, times. So and, like, many times. and like a lot, like a, we're coaching a very different population, but like we'll have people, we'll have athletes that totally take advantage of But also of just us. in our lives, yeah. like in the context yeah. of our lives. The point is, getting burned I think is part of the point if you're not getting burned you're not actually putting, you're not putting yourself, yourself out there now. Yeah, you're not taking to, risks and, yeah. to, and to invest in other truly invest in other people when you're invested in other people sometimes that doesn't the investment it's not like everything goes up you know often we tell stories of everything going up often things do not work that way well it's actually it's funny this reminds me of a conversation that we had another podcast about like if you're not getting one-star reviews in life you're not yeah. you're not taking risks you're not putting yourself out there enough and I think it's the same thing with like you know getting burned it's like important to like hold your ground and like yeah. stick up for yourself but like it's also important to love and believe and yeah. put yourself out there and take risks on other people and keep, keep investing in those people even after you get burned like you're gonna get burned you're gonna get burned you're gonna get burned and something else will happen which brings me to the quote I really want to say from the last chance you football Deverne Williams defensive line coach and he's talking to his team who is really struggling his defensive line people um and this, this is what he says in a really heartfelt monologue you know i sometimes i struggle in believing i struggle in believing in some things you know i struggle in believing that i'm coaching football for a living i even struggle sometimes believing that my girlfriend loves me it's tough but she does love me i want to let you guys know despite all the frustration we've been through me getting on you y'all snapping back despite all that i believe in y'all i believe in y'all now believe now, me believing in you don't mean a hill of beans if you don't believe in yourself. We all have to believe in ourselves because I do believe in you. That is so beautiful. What I love most about that, though, is the vulnerability that yeah. he expresses in that. I think, like, by him being vulnerable, it expresses himself up. It opens himself up to this, like, openness that he can have with players. And then they can also trust him because he's being yeah, vulnerable with them as well. Belief isn't just a switch you turn on. It's something that Deverne Williams, the coach, is struggling with with his relationship, with his coaching. It's the same way we feel about ourselves. Belief is something that is a constant process of putting yourself out there, getting burned, putting yourself out there, getting burned. And then a little bit over time, you start to turn that temperature a different direction. And one morning you wake up and it's like, look, I still have doubts, but I believe. And the, the best part about how that story ends is after their next game, um, the defensive line had their best game yet after a terrible season. And he, this defensive line coach gets a Gatorade shower where the players dump it over his head. And I, I mean, I was crying last night watching oh, it. Oh, it was so beautiful. And I think like defensive line coaches often don't get Gatorade showers. No, no. You think about that as like the head coach and this particular head coach, Buddy Stevens, probably would not have loved yeah, yeah. that his defensive, his defensive coach yeah. was getting a, a <laughs> it was, Gatorade it was, shower. I mean, it was the ultimate uh, act of pure love by those players, like love and vulnerability and knowing we're going to get this coach kind of in trouble, but in a show of like, mutual investment. And that's what we all do is invest in other people, even if that investment 
will result in you getting burned. Even if you're going to lose everything with that investment, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Because all it takes is one Joe Hampton for it to mean everything. You say investment and my mind just goes to ROI, return on investment. Oh, I'm God. like, clearly I'm like thinking, I'm like talking to too many VCs right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking some Bitcoin stuff here. Do you want to go into topic one? Let's do it. This topic is on risk-based heart rate. We've actually gotten a number of questions on risk-based heart rate. Yeah. So we're not going to read a particular one, but we've gotten questions from CBRT. We're going to go kind of fast on this one too. Um, but also the summary of actually you just have on here on this podcast outline risk-based heart rate. What the heck? <laughs> it's so weird when you think about it that we sell this thing and say, okay, this works to measure your heart, but all the studies say really doesn't. Um, there's a 2017 research letter in the Journal of American uh, JAMA, we'll just say the JAMA Journal about cardiology, um, that finds essentially 0.8 usually correlation between wrist-based sensors and chest straps. Which is not fantastic for something that we're using as like a oh, predictive. Yeah. Well, model. especially yeah. because they're always going to be within a certain level of like 140 to 180. And so it's just a random number generator around that point for the most part. Actually, what I think, I love the clock analogy yeah. on this. So I feel like the risk-based heart rate to me is like this clock that's pretty faulty. And so you're sitting there at noon and it tells you it's midnight and you're like, nah, that can't <laughs> be right. Of course it's not midnight. I know that. And then you're sitting there at noon and it tells you it's 1230 and you get so excited because it's within <laughs> the realm of possibility, yeah. but it's still 30 minutes off and it's fucking up your meeting time. <laughs> yeah. And it's not consistently wrong or right either like it's it's not just like it's always off by five or ten beats it's just purely random it's you know a broken clock is right twice a day there's a chance that a wrist-based heart rate monitor isn't even right twice, twice a day because it's just pinging around at all different levels um that's not to say it won't work for anyone i mean there's a lot of variables that go into whether these things work actually the variables you. are fascinating so it relies on ppg and we've talked about this before actually is how so ppg essentially relies on shining a light onto the skin and then measuring the amount of light that is scattered back by the blood flow but what i think is super interesting is actually only one thousandth of the light is scattered back. So yeah. you're reading something that is like infinitesimally small. small. The other thing too is, is that the structure, so most of the, the sensors um, that are found that are measuring heart rate are in the wrist. Yeah. And the the the, um, the vascular networks of the wrist are like so diverse in people. Yeah. Also skin color, um, as we talked about this before on other podcasts, like totally impacts how the light is scattering. And so does tattoos on wrists. <laughs> I just learned about this. So apparently there was a tattoo gate with Apple watches where people who had wrist tattoos, the readings on their watch were just totally messed up. Oh my God. Well, I would just, the, the big lesson here is be super careful about even having it on during running because I think athletes often start judging themselves, even knowing it's wrong. Um, it's very strange. And so it might work for you. If it works for you, the way you'll probably be able to find out is do some intervals. Make sure you see those really sweet, like curves that are very emotionally satisfying. If there's like a bunch of random jumps and up and down in the context of a run, it's not right. Like, okay. It's not doing You're it. very kind. I would say actually that a lot, I, I tell athletes, yeah. don't even tell me yeah, yeah. it's risk data. I don't want to even want to see it because I think actually what happens is you probably will will see those like the variables yeah. with the intervals because your cadence is higher during variables. And so oftentimes these wrist sensor heart rates are measuring cadence. It's called the crossover problem. Yeah. And so if you're running at a faster cadence during intervals, you actually may see a rise, even if it's just oh, super cadence. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Man, so I don't even accept wrist-based data. I, I've been using I tell athletes, I'm like, buy yourself a chest strap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just don't use heart rate. Like go on feel. I think that we're measuring a bunch of things that don't matter. In fact, I was thinking about what this could be analogous to. And I was like, okay, so imagine a stove that works at low temperatures, kind of like the, the wrist-based heart rate sensors really work at rest usually in like sleep and things. But then as soon as you start turning that stove up to 350, your whole house just fucking blows up. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind that's of amazing. how we're selling these things. That's because they're meant, to be, they're meant to be used at 
activity. I, I, this is the whole point of your, you had one job. Yeah, one, one job only. Actually, two recommendations that I give to athletes for um, chest straps are one is that if you struggle with a chest strap sliding down, they make some swim monitors that are a little bit more sticky and that can help stay on. The other thing for female athletes, you can safety pin the chest strap to a sports bra and it's amazing. I think it's actually the prime function. My boobs are just wanting the prime <laughs> function that I use for a sports bra, but is the ability to safety pin the chest strap. It's awesome. It works really well. Awesome. So do you want to do chafing or let's do, let's parenting? Do it. Um, so we had this awesome question, um, transitioning into chafing. Yeah. Um, this is from L. I had my first DNF woo, over the weekend during a 20 miler because I chafed so bad. I started bleeding through my leggings. Thankfully, my partner was able to pick me up on a forest service road. He would make a great Uber driver. <laughs> Here's the thing. I have thick thighs and I'm proud of that. That thick thighs save lives. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They also chafe like hell. Part of my issue during my race is that my legging seam rubbed on my thighs. I already can't wear most shorts because of rubbing. Sigh. I tried every chafe balm under the sun to no avail. Like I said, I'm very aware about the leggings I wear. I also stay pretty hydrated. So I'm curious in your professional opinions, what can a girl do? <laughs> I don't know how much we have professional opinions on chafing specifically. Actually, I was just going to say, I should have gone into dermatology. I would, yeah. have, I would have very specific opinions you on You would this. know so much. We have dermatologists listening that are going to cringe. Mainly, I wanted to say how little we understand. So at 2016 at the way too cool 50k we're driving there and it's going to be torrential rainstorm and we're like oh chafing might actually be a problem it's not something we've really suffered with before i've had it in some tough places but megan really hasn't had it that yeah, bad i've actually never experienced chafing and so we were like scroungering yeah. around our car and like, what, what, are we, what are we gonna find for chafing i was thinking about like liquids yeah. like foodstuffs it's like what can we use yeah and sure enough we open a bag and see Trojan arouses and releases personal lubricant. You sound like we like didn't even know it was there, David. You're like, why is this? Why is this in our car? We just leave it random places. It's in the fanny pack, is what I'm saying. Um, just in case we get really lost. Um, so before the <laughs> before the race, um, we're sitting in the back of the car and we're just like, well, time to lather up. So if you saw us at Way Too Cool in 2016, um, I'm sitting there with this this red bottle of personal lubricant, just putting it all over my body, just really getting into it. You can imagine me like rubbing my nipples, hands down the pants. Okay, well, the thing about this personal lubricant is it's like the tingling yeah, yeah. version. So I actually, I didn't put it on. I was like, I'm not getting you into this. You didn't put it on? No, no, oh, I don't man. chafe. So I was I, like, there's no reason I need this. That story changed But I head. was like, throughout the race, I was like, David is probably tingling all over. Yeah, or, you know, they say that menthol mouth mouthwashes can change perceived uh, heat. And okay. So, okay. The key there is mouthwashes, yeah. David. I'm pretty sure that if you slather this on your body, don't do this podcast. Well, listeners. It traps the heat. It's so, like putting like, you know, people put Vaseline on their skin, like in NCAA cross country championships. Cause it helps cross yeah. when it's cold. Cause it helps like trap the heat. I'm thinking that's what this personal is doing. All of a sudden I got to like mile two and I was like, Ooh, what's that? Um, but that race turned out really well. It was maybe you one won, of my- you crushed it. <laughs> and no chafing. So I'm just saying, also, I have used that lubricant in the future for other situations because I'm like, I'm kind of superstitious. Um, so I'm just saying like, you know, think about it. It might be a thing. It actually reminds me of, uh, you know, the company uh, Pringles. And so a quote from Mitch Hedberg, one of my favorite jokes of his, I think Pringles original intention was to make tennis balls. This is a Mitch Hedberg impression, if you don't know. But on the day the rubber was supposed to arrive, a truckload of potatoes showed up. And Pringles is a laid back company. They said, Fuck it, cut them up. Um, and I imagine that's kind of what Trojan was. <laughs> Thank you. I imagine that's what Trojan was. Their original intention was to stop chafing for runners. But on the day the lubricant showed up, 
someone just put it on their privates and it worked really well. Well, actually, I think it's super funny too. I would love, so there's a company called Squirrels Nut Butter. We have yeah. no association with them. Actually, a lot of our athletes use it and say it's awesome. But I would love to be sitting around that marketing table as they're like, let's call this company Squirrels Nuts Butter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that a company is called Nut Butter, and they actually sponsor a ton of podcasts too. So perhaps this is our, our reach out to get some sweet nut butter action, <laughs> which is not something I ever thought I'd say. It's pretty hilarious. I actually love that someone would make their company name kind of like a little bit of a, a pun, a joke, you know, that's kind I, of those are Those are our people. Yeah, pretty, those are 100% our people. But we actually did some serious research. I was yeah. like, you know, we should, if we're going to have a lot of jokes, we should actually have some research to back yeah. up to you. Think. Honestly, there's like no miracle solutions out there. The Especially, big takeaway that I took yeah. from research is that some skin types are more vulnerable to this, probably related to actually the moisture generation that happens on certain types of skin types. Um, really hard to predict. Yeah. But I think the, the real key thing is just thinking about like combating that moisture. So a lot of people use powders to help keep the skin dry and then um, provide like some sort of like lubricant, like a squirrel's yeah. nut butter on the on the clothing itself. And that can help kind of provide this like good counter counterbalance situation. Yeah, baby powder is my recommendation. So if you've already tried lubricant, instead try to put that on and then lubricate the inside of your clothing and some of the rub spots in particular on top of that. And often that helps athletes and then just keep applying that throughout. The other thing that I too, think too is just test driving your clothing. Like oftentimes like clothing can get in the way or like can cause some of these situations. So like wear whatever you're gonna race. Like if you're racing a hundred miler, wear that in a lot of wear those wear that gear in a lot of run, long runs and see what happens. And if nothing else works, I'm sure KY has some options. Oh, also maybe even, yeah, right. They can just like really start expanding these. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing actually I saw is is that like in treating um chafing yeah. issues, diaper rash cream can be oh, really effective, which actually makes sense. But again, we are not dermatologists. Dermatologists are probably cringing at this conversation as are personal <laughs> lubricant companies. So uh yeah, just figure out what works best for you. And hey, if Trojan is looking to sponsor a podcast, you have our email. Do you want to go a little long? Let's freaking do it. This question's good. It's worthy of going long. This question is on parenting and motivation. It's from Elle. I love your podcast. I wanted to get your take on parenting a young athlete. My daughter is 13. She loves running and took state this year for girls cross country. She has a ton of ambition and an amazing work ethic. I want to help her achieve her potential, partly because it could lead to scholarships for college, but I don't, I don't want to become overbearing and squash her love of running. Any advice on where to draw the line between healthy and unhealthy parenting and coaching? This is fantastic. I love this question. So this question is asked with so much love. So kudos to Elle for being an awesome yeah. parent. And we don't have kids, but I think that this is really relevant for all like coaching and leadership and thinking about all this growth process and investing in people we were talking about. Because the basic difference, I think, between kids and adults, and, and it's kind of similar to the students at the JUCO colleges, is that when you're investing in someone, it also has ripple effects that could last throughout a person's life. So the stakes are a little bit high here. So it's an important question to think about as strategically as L the, list, the listener is. And I think we both experienced that within our own lives. Like yeah. we've had parents like guiding our decisions throughout, like, you know, throughout high school, throughout yeah. middle school, et cetera. So, I mean, I've said in the past how I was an overweight child and I was like, okay, I need to get in shape for baseball because that was my sport at the time. So I started running and um, over time I started to, you know, lose some of that, that baby weight and, and got to the point that I became a pretty good runner. And I got really serious about running around seventh grade um, to the point that I went to the AAU nationals and it was like a really big thing for me. Um, but in the context of that journey, I was at a little local 5k and someone came up to me and they said, they told me this formula for elite runner weights, body weights. Um, and now I know that that formula is totally fucking wrong. Everything about it is wrong. Everything that guy did was wrong. But to my kid brain at the time that was really motivated, really focused on numbers, it gave me, it spit out an equation that I could apply to my life. And so I applied it to my life and I got to a point that I was pretty darn unhealthy. And thankfully I burned out pretty quickly and, and didn't run again for 
you know, maybe eight years. And I remember, I mean, your parents have told me that story. You've told me that story. I think something like really eye-opening about that was like, you lost your hair during <laughs> that process. Like, yeah. wow. I mean, you have hair now. It's amazing. But it's like- <laughs> I have I have a flowing mane of pubes. But I mean, that's how much it impacts. But I think actually that's really interesting. It brings up the point. The it's pubes? Like, well, no, no. It brings up the point that like kids are going through puberty as this is all happening. Yeah. And it's so important. <laughs> it was the pubes. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But puberty for sure. But it's like, and you know, kids are good developing. And that development, I think it's so hard for kids because is that development can change like like in the short term it can change performances it can impact injuries it can impact a number of different things but that process of going through puberty and developing is so important for long-term yeah. and potential you know high levels of motivation mixed with maybe not the perspective to understand the entire context of everything um you know it's something that all kids struggle with but i think in specific with running where you th there's all this different advice out there there's all these different people in their ears and that's where the parent comes in i had fortunately had in freaking incredible parents um, that helped on that journey, but they also didn't know what I was talking about because it was all inside my own head. And I think the other thing too is my parents, I mean, I had I was kind of a different process. So I started running, got really serious about it, got injured. And I think my parents recognized early on that like, Megan, you yeah. have a perfectionist. Like yeah. I was a total perfectionist. And like, you know, I don't know if your personality, like running is this thing that like may burn you out. And so I wound up, I mean, I, I, my parents kind of like shifted me away from competitive running at a young age into field hockey. And I look back on that and I'm so grateful for that because yeah. like, I would have burnt out as a runner. Like I'm so hard on myself. I have that perfectionist tendency. And I'm like, you know, I'm just really glad that I played ball sports throughout, yeah. throughout high school. Oh, and it's why the question is so amazing because having this, this touchstone, this rock of someone that understands this zoomed out perspective and can help. It's exactly why everyone needs coaches, why those junior college kids need coaches, why we need coaches. Uh, because it's really hard to zoom out inside your own brain, especially hard when you're 13 um, for everyone. And I think it's especially relevant um, for, you know, athletes that want to be competitive, like th this amazing, um, female runner. Um, my favorite uh, thing about this is Lauren Fleshman's dear younger me letter. Um, so read, have her read it. I think it's a Bible for coaching more generally. Actually, I love this quote from it. I need you to know, I promise you that the ultimate star you're chasing is further ahead than any shiny thing you see now. The way you get there is to protect your health and protect your love of the sport above all, even as you reach for the shiny goals right in front of you. You simply do not and cannot predict your personal path, but you'll get there. It will look different and brighter and richer and more multifaceted the closer you get. I love that. Just yeah. emphasizing like this is all about long-term potential and kids are so young. And I think like I remember being back in high school and like I was not thinking long-term. Yeah. I was thinking about the next race, the next I don't even know if a kid game. is capable of that. No, no. Which yeah. is why the student loan thing is ridiculous because we're having kids that aren't thinking like that make these decisions. But in athletics, it's so relevant. So it is, it's relevant to everyone. So if you're an older athlete, yes, your journey will go up and down and then fits and starts. And we talk about that all the time. But when you're young, it will not just by the nature of athletics, it will by the nature of human physiology in your body. Especially and development. And yeah, as yeah. puberty happens. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the other interesting thing is, is this, this person asked about scholarships. Yeah. And I think actually there's been this kind of like transition in, in college recruiting and college athletics where coaches are looking for athletes who are multifaceted, yeah. who aren't going to get to their, you know, a freshman year of college and have run, you know, 85 miles a week during high school and are totally burnt out. Their bodies are getting stress fractures. And I think like, you, you know, you give me as a college coach, an athlete who has run X mile time running 25 yeah. miles a week versus another athlete running the same mile time at 70 miles a week. And I will always choose the athlete running 25 miles yeah. a week. And I think college coaches are starting to look for that. And just like thinking about that concept as a parent, and even in these conversations, you know, someday with college coaches is just emphasizing like, yeah, my kids play other sports yeah. or like, you know, my kid is like lower mileage or like, you know, we're saving room for cream and all this. Yeah, they're doing theater or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like David Epstein's range. And I think that applies 
to everyone where, you know, you're, if you slow play your growth, it'll lead to compound gains that give you more potential. If you try to get it all right away at a young age, like if you're a 20 year old listening to this, let alone 13, or if you're 30 or 40, like your potential is so much greater beyond the horizon, but to get to that horizon, you need to leave some room for cream as you're saying. And I think a great way to do that is, is just thinking about the structure of like positivity yeah. throughout it all. And I think like conveying as a parent, like, you know, athletes, especially track athletes are going to go to this thing where like, you know, there's, there's body judgment, there's self-judgment, like, you know, sometimes food can be a struggle. And I think just like emphasizing as a parent, like you are perfect the way you are. Yeah. And I think like, you know, as like these kids are going through middle school and high school are such tough times, you know, you walk the high, the, the hallways of middle school and high school and there's like, there's just like so much shame that's going on. And I think like countering that as a parent with Even and, full scale love and positivity. And so, even on a great team that's really uplifting, there will be some some forces probably that are maybe negative for a young kid. And so as a parent, like, and as a support system of any person, being that person that's like extremely body and food positive in particular. It's like the body, your body is great as it is. Make sure that all of that health and strength, strength is uplifted as the main goal. And within that, also not being afraid to talk about the hard things. Yeah. So like acknowledging, oh, hey, that's there. These conversations are there. Those hallways, walking those hallways are hard. Yeah. But, you know, having that context of love and support as you talk about it through it all. Yeah. And that gets to self-acceptance more generally, like po constant positive reinforcement is where it's at. That doesn't mean you don't like discipline or whatever it's, but it's like John Mosley where, you know, as this question was so clearly stating, love is at the forefront of absolutely everything. And I think that through the struggles gives athletes this like perspective and this confidence. I think Lauren, Lauren Fleshman has an amazing quote on this. Your proudest accomplishment will be a race in which you finish last because in that race you were tested more than ever and you were brave. Yeah. And I think helping young kids, helping athletes get to those start lines and have that understanding and have that confidence that like, hey, if I fail, this is a win. This is a success. I think like as a parent, that seems like an amazing, I mean, I'm not a parent, but that seems like yeah. an amazing thing well, to do. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, how does this apply to me? Think of the word celebrate. Celebrate every little thing you possibly can in life, no matter what that is. I mean, like after we're gonna finish this podcast in a minute or two, we're gonna do the biggest high five and be like, heck yeah, no matter how it went, because celebration gives you this freedom to try things. It gives you freedom to fail because if you don't have that freedom, that's when you start to go down these paths of like, oh, how can I get this edge? How can I meet this equation? And then you lose your fucking hair and become a, <laughs> you know, a, a large grown man with pubes on his head. That's amazing. We're going to have a very, a very big high five, a lubricated high five. Um, <laughs> but I think the other thing too, is just to remember, like this gets back, we've had this conversation a lot in this podcast about leaving some room for cream in training. And I think like, you know, from a training perspective with kids, like always err on the side of caution, like it's never worth it. Like, you know, keeping a love of sport. And you know, we talk about this with athletes that we coach too, like just leave some cream in training. Yeah. yeah. And the potential is so far beyond what you could ever imagine. It's like you're looking at the, the moon and thinking that that's where you're going, but you're actually going to the sun. You're going to Andromeda. You're going even farther beyond that. And that's so hard to see inside our own heads. And so, like running is a lifelong sport too. I yeah. mean, if you had told me at age 13 that I'd be talking about running on a podcast 17 years later at age 30, I'd be like, oh, no way. My running told career me is done. Yeah. At 18, when I went to college to play football, or even like at 23, when I was like wandering around, there's so much ahead of every single person listening to this time goes really slowly you have time there are a lot of tuesdays in the world <laughs> invest in other people but most of all invest in yourself and don't forget to lubricate Woohoo! thanks everyone <laughs> rate subscribe all that good stuff we love you bye